0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Collaborative Connections radio show and podcast sponsored by KLM. We are live in studio at Max 6 in the Phoenix Business Radio X studio. I am here with three amazing business owners and I cannot wait for you To hear about them and their journey along the way. I started this podcast so that other business owners or other professionals could hear stories of success, could um, meet other people in the community to collaborate with. I always hope and, and feel that the more we collaborate with people we like, the better this world will become. So with that, I'd love to introduce you our first guest. Lisa, welcome to the show.
2: Hi Kelly, thanks for having me.
1: Tell me a little bit about you.
2: <laughs> sure, so my name is Lisa Rehurik. I am founder and CEO of a company called the RFP Success Company and we basically work with mostly tech businesses on helping them win more government, state government contracts through RFPs and we're based here in Tempe, Arizona.
1: Exciting and what is your background. Tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Oh my gosh, we don't have enough showtime for my background. (laughs) It is a very sordid background, but I basically came from corporate America. I spent about 20, well, actually I started in the hospitality industry and the hotel business and then in the restaurant business. And then I moved to corporate America and worked for a consulting firm for a long time and then decided to go out on my own. And that has been a a roller coaster of a ride that led me to this business that I'm in now.
1: Really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Well, I'm excited to hear all about it. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. And Sarah Hope, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'm Sarah
3: Hope, and I am the founder and CEO of really three different companies. I'm a little bit of a serial entrepreneur at this point, because what happened is, is that I started three different businesses at the same time because I was afraid that none of them would work. So I kind of (laughs) just... throw stuff up up on the wall and see, well, what's going to hit? So here we go. One is a tiny little wedding chapel that we do elopement-style weddings, kind of like the Las Vegas style. It's called the Mission Chapel. It's been in uh, Cave Creek. I just moved it over to Pioneer Museum, and uh, we've been doing those weddings for about seven years. We even did them COVID. So I had people coming from California over here to do weddings because we had like a two-person limit, so we did that. Then I also started a company that my background comes from kind of private investigation. So we do pre-employment background screening for employers. So protecting who you hire to make sure you don't have, let's talk about school districts for a minute, that you don't have like a sexual predator teaching some kids, right? So think about that. Um, and that kind of led into drug testing because drug testing is a really huge thing. And they kind of go hand in hand. And I couldn't figure out how to work with LabCorp or Quest and and Concentra, especially if you walk in there and you have to do a long wait. So I decided to go open up my own medical clinics, so occupational medical clinics. And you know how much I knew about drug testing? Nothing. I just figured it out. I was like, okay, it can't be that difficult to go collect urine. Really, it's not. (laughs) So, So I went and started our drug testing clinics, and I did that at the same time. And then they've kind of all evolved and grown. And then around COVID, COVID really brought in the need for the same employers that were doing the drug testing also needed the COVID testing and then the vaccinations. So we started winning contracts around um, the COVID vaccinations and and, uh, a lot of the COVID testing. And so we have contracts with state and county and we cover four different counties for the COVID vaccinations. And we still um, do a lot of that, especially with the long-term care and the, the communities that are most vulnerable. So that's a little bit about it. I could keep going, but oh, I'm Cuban American. I literally have a high school education. I did not go to college. You if I did it, you can too.
1: Oh, that's I really that. cool. Right Stop. off the yes. bat. let's talk Damn. about the background. That's awesome. <laughs> Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm
0: Dr. Jessica Herburn. I am the CEO and founder of ID Analytics. We are a strategic advising and uh, analytical company that supports local governments, public safety, and nonprofits on delivering equitable community services. So our team of researchers and data scientists that are interested in making the world Work for everyone, make government work for everyone, and um, really allow small businesses and nonprofits and other kind of
1: folks in a community work together in a very collaborative way. So, and yeah. with the analytics and the science behind it, right to yeah. back it, which is really important, I think for especially those types of industries need the numbers.
0: Yeah, not only need the numbers, but really have an understanding. I think this is where sometimes the kind of intentional or unintentional designs of things have excluded different communities, especially since you just talked about a little vulnerable communities or marginalized communities and really understand how those things work. And so I think this is where, you know, not just having information, but being ethical and equitable about that information is extremely important when we start to change policies and uh, practices and make hopefully things different for our communities.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. that's for sure. And what's your background? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the lovely question. So,
0: um, uh, yeah, I, I um, perhaps have a very unique background to some. It's uh, perhaps not so unique for my field. I'm a former law enforcement officer. I had 12 years of sworn year, sworn service as a law enforcement agent and a detective I spent nine of those years doing some very deep, long-term investigations for national security cases and cyber aspects, and so that's where my analytics came from. I otherwise uh, have held positions as a university professor and other um, kind of roles there. So in my field, we call it the trifecta, practitioner, academic, and now business owner and, um, you know, leader of policy change. So yeah, that's a pretty interesting aspect. So, I love
1: that. Yeah. I think most entrepreneurs have to have the trifecta. Yes. In In their industry or in their field yep. to succeed, right? I mean, anybody can start a business, but to succeed, you kind of have to have or you hire
3: the right people because she oh, sounds like someone right. I would hire because I don't want <laughs> analytics. There no. is no
1: way do
2: not ask me about analytics, right.
1: But that's yeah. part of it is knowing that we can't do it all, and we need to hire. We need to hire other people. That's yeah. right. yeah, that's
2: a great point. surround ourselves with absolutely. What, you know, what our weaknesses are, right? Absolutely.
1: that's why I started this. one of the reasons I started this this uh, show was, I knew that I could provide a number of things for my clients, right? And then I, they started asking me for literally everything. And I said, you know, at the beginning of, of any business, you're like, yeah, sure, you know, I can do that or I can... Uh, no, you can't. Right. So if I have all the people and I trust them and I've used them or I've you know referred people to them, then I can be confident that my clients are taken care of. Right. So ooh, I get to meet all these people and <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, learn about the resources that are out there because we all have a specialty. We all have something that we're really good at. And you're successful if you know who to hire and, and who to outsource stuff to, right? Right. Cause think, just
2: because we can do it doesn't mean we should, right? I, like, There's a lot <laughs> that I can do kind of in a general mediocre fashion. I can get it done. It'll maybe for a lot of people, it will feel pretty good. But at the end of the day, there's so many better people out there to do those pieces of the puzzle and why not bring them into the mix, so...
3: So on my, recently bought a house in Alaska, so I'm really happy and excited about that because I know it's really far away, but fell in love with Alaska. But on my way back, we listened to, we drove back from Alaska to Phoenix and we listened to Who Not How. So there is a book, it's called Who Not How, and it is amazing because one of the things that I struggle with is one of the first questions that I ask is, how am I going to do that? And I am asking the wrong question because you're right, we're not, It's not our expertise. It's, you know, if I'm going to look at marketing and I'm like, okay, I don't know what KPIs are into marketing. I don't want to do a funnel. I don't want to look at any of that. Who, instead of saying, how am I going to do this? The question is now, who is going to do this? And it's really changed the way that I look at the business and I'm not up at night anymore. Well, I might be up at night thinking about who is going to do it and a lot of more interviews (laughs) and trying to hire the right people. But instead of saying, how am I going to do it? Because that's really stressful. It puts a lot of pressure on, on ourselves as entrepreneurs And instead of that, we're looking at, you know, who? It's huge. There's no reason. Game changer. There's no
1: reason that any business owner should, should do what they don't love or they're not good at. There's no reason because we have, we didn't get into business. Most business owners didn't get into business, do marketing. I'm like one of the exception, right? Like most people, there's no reason you should have to do that on your own. So it is who, not how.
0: Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I, you know, over all these years of reflection of like, what do I want to do when I grow up? And how will I know what it is that I'm passionate about or what I should be doing is that I recognize, you know, in various different ways, even as a law enforcement officer, as going in through corporate, as a teacher, I always appreciated the startup and I always knew how to build the right team around me. So again, it wasn't the what, what or how are we going to do this? It was, I knew who I needed to have at the table and I had a great way or various ways to kind of connect folks um, to do that. So it was the okay, we'll figure out the exact how later. It's the who do we need to have at the table to do this, to kind of make this launch, and you know how to keep everyone safe in the process when it was a law enforcement operation, how to keep it moving towards business objectives when it was in corporate. And you know for my students, it was what is their learning experience? How do you kind of get everything in line so that they can have a positive experience and move forward? And I think if you focus on that, then you'll see your projects or your business kind of move forward.
3: But you're also talking about your corporate world. So what happened when you went to start your own business? Because now you're having to wear all these different hats. And that's where it gets stressful. And that's when absolutely. I absolutely Right. So what did it look like when you went from the corporate world to starting your own business? Could you go hire your team initially?
0: Yeah, I think this is where, you know, um, you try to think about what do I need the most and what am I willing to either outsource for a short period of time and what is those kind of parameters around that outsourcing versus the ability to take on that internal aspect. Because anytime you're starting something from scratch, this is where, you know, you don't have a million dollars in the bank to just go ahead and hire the smartest folks that are perfect part of their career and their experience. And they're going to have all the magic wands that you need as part of your team. Um, And so that's where the, you know, I think thinking through the strategy of what's necessary now, what can I do in kind of incremental steps, where are some innovative ways that I can, um, you know, collaborate with other businesses to do that, collaborate with other independent consultants that have their own specialties, you know, just know, you know, year over year that you're going to grow to whether that's an in-house effort or uh, continue to
2: outsource it as vendors.
0: So, yeah.
2: And that is, you said something key there too, is like, it, it's like this evolution, right? Because I know when I started my business, I didn't have the funds for that, right? right? And I had to figure out marketing and do the sales. And I'm lucky because I have background in operations and sales and marketing and all of that, but do, doesn't mean that I wanted to do it all. And I remember somebody telling me at one point, pick the one thing that you hate the most and outsource that first. So the first thing I did was hire a bookkeeper because I was like, <laughs> get this off my plate. I hated it. When you grow that now I'm addicted to it, right? Now I feel like, oh my God, I've become one of those figureheads that just sits there and says, all right, how's everybody doing? What are you working on? Because I don't have tasks necessarily on my list anymore. I'm truly a CEO now. Yeah. Right. And I look back 10 years ago and I'm like, oh, my gosh, up at two o'clock in the morning, trying to figure out how to work AWeber or how to work whatever lead pages or whatever it was at the time. It was brutal. But
3: I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: that's
3: OK. We, we all
1: that's OK. That that's the process. Right. And that's one of the reasons I started KLM was in all my other businesses I owned, I could never find another business owner that thought another outsourced Or in-house. I tried both. I hired 15 assistants on my first business. Like, oh, my, this is not working. You know, our medical practice, we would hire marketing agencies. They weren't doing it right. We ended up doing it anyways, right? Yeah. So how can I be that person I wished I had in all those other businesses? Okay, I got it, right? I'll be that duplicate of a brain. I'll be that marketing. I'll be that consultant to show it's okay. We're going to start small and we're just going to keep growing. We're just going to keep growing. We're just going to keep getting bigger and you outsource what you need. Don't do your own books. That's the first thing I tell them. Do not do your own books, right? And then outsource little baby and then keep doing it and keep doing it. And then pretty soon you have your first assistant. And I promise you, you will make the money to pay for that assistant. That, you know, because you're like, oh, this is making my life easier. Okay, what else can I do to hire the next person? Like you said, now you're addicted to it. Like, oh, if I can make one more big deal, then I can hire somebody else to do those other things. It is. It becomes a, a part of the process. Anyways,
0: I think that's one of the challenges, too, as you as a business owner and when you're growing, it's like learning when to delegate. And when not to delegate, Mm -hmm. because sometimes even if it's something that we dislike and we're like, oh, that's the thing I have to outsource, sometimes that might not be the best, like, yeah, it's off your plate because it's painful, but how do you? I think that the challenge is like, how do you know the other person is going to do it the way that you need it done? And if you can articulate that and sometimes getting to that point is what
2: challenges a lot of folks, I think.
1: Uh huh. Try and, it and keep moving. Try it, move on. Yeah,
2: and, and also the, the balance and the difference between the way they should do it versus the way you think, the way you want to control it being done, right? That's, a, there's a big difference between those two. And I think for those of us who build our babies, it's really hard to hand that baby over to the nanny and assume that they're going to raise our kids the way that that we did. So it is a I think as a speaking as a CEO now right in that leadership role it's a delicate balance to not like over micromanage to not over hover not be a helicopter mom but you know empower them to do the job that you hired them to do. It's really hard. That's a that was probably one of the biggest. Hardest shifts that I had to make in my business, for sure. Instead of project management, project completion,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Like, what? How do we want to? As long as it gets done and it's done right, and they follow yep. the SOPs that we created, yes. then it's yep. fine. You know, yeah. it's fine. We have to let that go. But yeah. a lot, most of us, you know, as entrepreneurs, like you said, we're so attached to it mm-hmm. that it's hard to let that. It's hard to let that go.
2: And maybe they do it
1: better than us. <gasps> I know.
0: What? That's the no. ultimate goal. No.
1: <laughs> <It's> very possible. <laughs> that is
0: the ultimate goal. I think, and that sometimes too, for me at least, this is where I've found over the years that I have to always give the confidence of the team. Of like, I don't want you to do it the way that I would do it. Yeah, I want you to do it. That's the whole point. I'll give you those bu- those boundaries or those bumpers. But I want you to do it. I want you to own it all of the way, and and sometimes that's really unnerving for for other folks on the team
3: too. But that's part of that shift, I think. I feel that. like you two are both a lot more evolved than I am because I am not there at all. No, 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 no. I want to control the process. I want to control, and that's something that I am working on, but super difficult. And then when you have when you put have this whole fear of betrayal, so you have someone that you know, that you really entrust and they leave you for whatever reason. Right. And then you're like, oh, do I want to pour into that next person the same way? So I think that that's something that's really prohibiting me right now personally and getting through that mindset. But listening to you both, I'm like, oh, yes, I really want to be there. I am not there, folks. I am not there. I, it, it's super hard. It is super hard to let go of all this stuff to entrust your team and and to, um, to be like, oh, yeah, you do it your way. I'm not there yet. Yeah, yeah. But that trust is the... the,
2: Nope, no trust. Oh, none. (laughs) I
0: (laughs) think
2: you had the right person. You know, it's really funny. This was three years ago. My friend Sherry and I were sitting on my back patio, drinking wine, watching football. And she was kind of struggling with what her next step in her career was. And she was a, a... She managed fitness centers for corporate America. And so she had in her mind... I'm a fitness person, right? And everything that she looked for was fitness-related. She thought, I don't, I don't know if I can move ahead in my career without leaving Phoenix, which she didn't really want to do at the time. And so I was like, oh, you know, you can do so much more than just fitness. Like, you can be a project manager or an operations director. Just like in my business right now, I think my first hire needs to be an... And I was like, huh, maybe we should talk, right? Because I was describing her to a T and she ended up being my very first hire, and it was amazing, and, you know, there was worry there. It's a super, super duper trust, but worry that, like, how's this going to work with the friendship? I look at that three years ago. I hired her, dumped all sorts of stuff on her. She did so much for me, and now we have 12. There's 12 employees plus me, so 13 of us employees, not to mention our bench of contractors, and it just... It kind of just snowballed. I think when you get that first person that you can really trust and you just start offloading, then you'll start getting... That's getting a lot of people in, in three years, Lisa. It's How did you do that? a lot of people in three years. That's it's a, little a crazy. lot of Totally yeah. impressive. Oh, t- t- tell us the process. You know what's funny is, man, I don't even know if I know it. Like, it feels like I woke up one day and I was like, holy crap, we've got 12 employees. There's 13 of us here. Employed, W-2 employees, payroll every month, right? There's kind of two divisions to the company. And so one is a consulting and then one is the RFP side. And it just, you know, both of them were growing and they just both had demands. And so, you know, you, you look at your financials and you say, what do we need? And you hire somebody else. We actually had, I think, one more employee at one point that that left. But yeah, I don't, I'm don't, i not quite sure, but just here we are.
1: <laughs> There's a pain point. Every time, doesn't there seem to be a pain point? And you're like, oh, this is not... I'm missing this piece of it. Or I we don't have it's either hours in the day. There's mm-hmm. too many tasks for the amount of people they're on. There's that's huge. Right. Yeah. There's not mm-hmm. so if you continue to make that list of the stuff that's missing, right? Yep. Then you're like, oh, I could find a role for that. Right. Yeah. I yeah. hired my best friend since third grade. <gasps> was my first that. hire. Yeah. In this business. And then, you know, then I was like, when, and we, I always say to my people, like, okay, what are you good What do you like to do? If you if you're not happy and you don't like to do that, let's find somebody else, right? So then you're yeah. like, what is everybody good at? And yep. on the team, yep. okay, you're okay. We're missing like, and an, I knew that her and I were not really dynamic content writers. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Then I find that right. Oh, what else? Events. Ooh, I need a coordinator. Yeah. So it it just keeps you keep figuring out like what that pain point is, and then just hire for that build the job description around it. It's kind yeah. of true,
2: you know, I mean, because I have two directors, right? Sherry, the one I was talking about, and then a woman by the name of LJ who does all of our sales and marketing. And as we grow, so does the need for their role, like their role grows and we need more from each one of them. And so we do, we, we plan and I say to them, you know, what do you guys need to get off of your plates? And we hire, we hire for that. So great point about the pain point, because that's exactly, and, 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 Like, what do they want to do, but also what is the value that they're adding to the company? And I need to keep elevating them into that value that they add and get them out of the weeds of the tasks that they shouldn't be spending their time doing.
1: No, I think the
0: skill part is the biggest point, right? It's not just the trust aspect, but it's the skills of like if it's a skill that's missing or it's a skill that we need more of and we don't have enough folks on right yeah. and so we just did this exercise for our team is that you know I'm like here's all of these things that matter to one or more parts of this business and how would you rate yourself like what do you think is your strong point what are you interested in what are you not interested in like I want you to be as involved in your professional development as I'm going to give you tasks to do things because the business is going in that direction. And I think that's a very different approach for, you know, employers or other folks to go through because oftentimes we think of, I need you to do X, I'm going to hire you to do X. And then whether or not you achieve that or you're good at that. And then then we're going to judge your performance on that. And this is the for my approach, it's the here's the skills I need you to have. Here's the skills I'm willing to invest to grow with you. But I also need you to have some intellectual interest and kind of go through through there. And that's where you, I think, have some really dynamic team aspects and ability for a team to help. So doing those skills assessments, I think, are really important for folks to think about.
1: It's huge. It's And using all the assessment. There's so many out there. To be it doesn't able have to, to be
0: complicated. No. It doesn't It doesn't have to be some official. It's like, literally, here's all the things. I'm writing RFPs, yep. right? Here's all the things that were asked for. That here's. The, I look at an RFP. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm really going to be able to go for that. I don't have that on my team. And, you know, and then I'm like, well, if I keep seeing RFPs that need this, do I need somebody on my team, right? It's it's not that, how am I going to restart my career at this point? No, 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 I'm going to hire. It's the who that I need to bring in there. And so, yeah, that's where it's the... And then, of course, every time I see an RFP come across or somebody else is asking for a skill set, I'm like, wait a minute, I think I have somebody on my team that has those skills or I can give them that ownership and that nugget and it speaks to their strengths and they run with it. And then that's where the kind of both trust and... Uh, collaboration kind of builds from that too. So
3: yeah. mm, for I, sure. uh, I really struggled because we went, it was, I want to say three years ago, we had a million dollars in revenue, but the last two years we've had over 4 million. Wow. So we had really rapid growth and in that rapid growth, I took a lot of the positions that were the leadership positions because it was just so crazy busy that I couldn't stop what I was doing. So I literally had to just just close my eyes and be like, okay, I know bookkeeping is going to fall apart. I know this is going to fall apart. I know that this part of the business is, it's okay, you know, and then just close your eyes and you just go, right? And so now it's like backpedaling. And I'm listening to you girls talk about, you know, talk about what we should be doing, standard operating procedures. Let's face it. Sometimes we just don't have time to do that. (laughs) I would love to have, we just literally started doing that. And I also hired my best friend that I've known since I'm 12 years old, talk about having fear, right, of letting people into um into our lives and and we were like party friends, you know, and then all of a sudden she comes on board and and uh and, and she's oh my gosh, she's got all the perfect skills that I don't have. She loves to do all of the things that I hate to do. She's a perfectionist. I am not. I'm like throw it up on the wall and see if it works. So of course it drives her crazy. But you know, we kinda like what, if you realize that that's what your that's personality the are, yeah. then I'm like, okay, you just, you can't get mad at me because I'm going to give this to you half done. And then, you know, you, I, I know that you're going to look at it five times before you actually put it out and that's okay. But it's really understanding um a lot of that, but it, it's hard, right? When when you grow really quickly and then you have to like, the for this year, although revenue will stay the same, it's, I also feel like it's been a year of cleanup because there was so much stuff that had to be that had to be done so we've started those processes and at the same time it's like super frustrating because you're like okay I'm sacrificing growth but you can't really grow unless you get all of this foundational stuff now caught up from the revenue that you have and your clients all set up correctly and and the systems in place it is completely and totally overwhelming it's a chicken and egg thing yeah, for sure is. and it's it is it's
0: because if if you did if you scaled slower you would not grow. Right. Because if you waited until all of those things were in place, like one day I'm going to have all my SOPs written and then I'll be able to hire. <laughs> right. You and you would be waiting be right. forever. Yeah. And so that's where it's like, oh, no, we have to build this ship as, you know, like people are getting on the ship and hopefully they're getting on before it sinks or like I put that panel in before it totally yeah. goes under. And And I think that's where the yin and yang of your conceptual nature and someone else's perfectionism and structure kind of balances that out because that's how you are able to scale. If you're waiting for that perfect moment or that perfect time and we're going to have the right number of hires coming in and everything, like your your business yeah. will probably go under because that's there's never such a thing as perfect time or perfect way.
2: Yeah. Also, first of all, congratulations on that growth. Yeah, definitely. Phenomenal. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Thank but you. The other thing that frustrates the heck out of me is that I feel like what worked for us at 500,000 versus a million versus 2 million. And I feel like every year we're starting over with some of these processes and systems. And we just, we had been putting so much into HR processes and everything, but we just had all of these little fragmented pieces, right? And we just hired an HR consulting company to come in and do everything for us. Because now that we have 12 employees, it's like, oh, performance reviews. And how are we making sure that like, it's awful. it was right? It was so easy for me to say, oh, I'm going to give LJ this raise, or I'm going to give Sherry this raise. And now it's like, oh, crap, we can't really do that. I need we, a process. And you need to do
3: a background check for every single one, so you don't have discrimination, right? we do a like
2: background check using vertical identity, which is Sarah's company. So yes. But yeah, all of that stuff changes. And I feel like we've got all these SOPs, but now we're in the process of having to kind of look at them again, because things have changed and making sure that if Sherry's, Unexpectedly out of the office for two weeks. Who's her backup? We didn't have backups before. Now we have them. So, just feels like new level, new devil, right? Every time we grow, which is fantastic, the frustration kicks in.
1: That's okay, though. If you if we change our mindset a little bit to think you did grow, it doesn't have to be monetarily.
2: Mm. Yeah. Great point. Right.
1: Mm. Why Why do we consider growth only to be in numbers? You locked it in. Because we in.
0: have a CFO team that drives those numbers into our brain every
1: month. <laughs> no. Um. no, but I mean, as the CEO, in right, way, in, in our, right, in our goals, in our brain, then we should say, like that my, my phrase for this year was locked in. I needed to get systems locked in. I grew because I did. Yeah. Right. So if we just changed it a little bit, just change the mindset. Yep, we did. Our business is growing. I
0: think the qualitative researcher yeah. in me is like that. These right, the numbers are great, right? Like, and and trust me, you should be celebrating with those numbers, right? Yeah. But there's the what else? What else matters? You know, are my people happy? Do they want to come to work? You know, is it difficult to manage them? Is are they motivated about things? You know, do we get these kind of you know pats on the back from our clients of you know very you know, interesting ways, often sometimes unsuspecting ways. How do we capture those? And, um, you know, I think it's always important for businesses, regardless of your size, of figuring out how do you, how do you celebrate those small su- successes and lift them up in your teams and capture them and reiterate them in quarterly meetings and things of that nature, because that's where, you know, the numbers are great, but it still feels like pain um, because you're like, I don't have SOPs for that. I don't have all of those things in place, and yet here's another year where I have to, you know, kind of button up or tighten up of things, and that sometimes isn't ever going to go away.
1: And those yeah. successes are those successes are huge, huge, even though they feel small. Having those were constant people telling you that you're doing a good job and that they appreciate you, and your and your team's happy. <laughs> like we, can, you know, your your yeah. numbers are good. You're growing. People are telling you you're doing a good job and they keep referring you. Yeah. Referral business is, right? Customer, ex- customer experience. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. There's like, no
0: number that my CFO team can put around uh, that one. <laughs> and I don't have a, 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 you know, CRM that manages like what's your lead generation and your pipeline and all of those types of things. But it is the like, hey, if you've thought about me, you were in a conference this week and you thought about my business and, you, you know, you called me at the airport or, you know, you're, you're, Pushing somebody o- over my way, like I'll take it all day long. Yeah, um, because that tells me that that there's something value out there on the market, and that's that's going to continue the value of the company.
1: It's huge. It's yeah. huge. All right, we're going to go backwards a little bit. So there's always a journey of a of a business owner, right? Growing up and the and changing careers. A lot of people have been in corporate. I've only owned my own businesses, so I don't know that shift. Oh, but a lot of a lot of my clients come from corporate, right? So what's that what's that journey? I want to hear a little bit, doesn't have to be a long story, but a, a little bit of the journey so people know we can anybody can do it, right? It's about the yeah. mindset. It's about who you have in your corner. So what's that? Tell us, Lisa, I'll start with you. What's the journey? You know, what's the why or or how did you get here?
2: You know, the interesting thing about my journey is that it's extremely happenstance. So I've never been anybody, I've never been somebody that knew exactly what I wanted, which used to stress me out. And it's one of my biggest whys is that I want to follow the path for me. And it took me a lot of years to get to the point where I wasn't trying to follow what I thought was right or what society was dictating. And where that benefited me in my career is that I just happened upon a whole bunch of stuff. I was in the hotel business, restaurant business. I decided to get out of that and go back to school for court reporting, which is super <laughs> odd for anybody that knows me even more odd. I got a call from a woman whose husband was looking for an office manager. And I was like, okay, I'll go talk to him and made me an offer. And I ended up staying at that company for 11 years. And I had a, a bunch of different positions just because I did a great job. They kept finding new things for me to do. It was very entrepreneurial because it was a small, a small subset specialty practice. And then one day that same guy called me and he had left, called me and said, I want to start some businesses. Will you come and be a partner with me? And I was like, sure. And so I did that for a few years. That That relationship got very toxic, that whole partnership and those businesses. And I just decided, what the heck, I'm going to go out on my own. I had a, a large company that was willing to hire me as a subcontractor. So there was a little bit of a safety net there. I never really thought I want to be a business owner I didn't grow up around that. There was no inspiration for it, but there was a part in my, like, kind of at that point where I'm like, I think I want to own my own business and do my own thing, but I didn't know what it was. So in 2011, I started my own business, and I will tell you from 2011 to 2016, it was a wild ride because (laughs) I kept trying to, I was throwing stuff against the wall to see what would stick, right? I remember having this conversation with my friend Mary saying, I just want that niche, I just want that niche that people can I can get known for that I can be very focused with. And meanwhile, people were calling me saying, hey, do you still work with RFPs? I did that a lot in my corporate career. And I was like, sure, I'll do anything, right? I needed work. So yes, I'll do it. And I remember one night at dinner, the same friend Mary said to me, I I think that niche just found you. (laughs) And I remember saying to her, well, there's no way there's not enough, there's not enough work, which is the most ridiculous thing in my head now, because there's so much work. But at the time, I thought, no, it's too small. It's too small. And I just started testing it. And then officially, here we are. So really, really cool. Yeah. So I think I think one of my messages in that and part of my why is to stop pushing for what we think has to be right? And if we listen to the universe and let it come to us, there's so much more brilliance in our experiences when we allow that to happen. So follow our own yellow brick road and screw everybody else telling us what and how to do it. Ah, Drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Amen, sister. I love that. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. My soapbox for today. Thank you.
1: <laughs> That's great. I know. I think every business coach that I've ever had is like, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, no, no. Right? I yeah. I do what I love until I don't, it doesn't fit in my life or I don't love it anymore. Yeah. What? No, I don't know what I'm going to be in five years from now. Right? I do what I love and I'm passionate about it as long as I'm passionate about it and as yep. long as it fits in my whole life. I love it. Right? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be the five-year plan person. You know, you can be like literally follow your own <laughs> yellow road. I think I've been yeah. like that since I was a little kid. <laughs> All right, Sarah, you're up. Tell us your your journey to this amazing growth you've had. So
3: uh, some comments about what Lisa said before I go on my journey, which is, you know, when i met lisa i want to say it was 2015 2016 uh we were both part of uh WeBank, which is the women's business entrepreneur uh entrepre- entrepreneur organization so we were both weebies, we call ourselves weebies. We were really involved at that time because I think we had a lot more time on our hands at that point. Oh, and revenue was not good for me. You know, I think the first year we did 16,000, second year was 88,000, third year was like 230,000 and I'm like, I can never afford Lisa, right? <laughs> because I'm like there's no way. So here you're thinking, okay, that 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 market is too small. And yet I'm fighting with writing RFPs because The long-term success of my company has been RFPs and contracts since day one, because remember, I have a fear of failure. If you have contracts that are going to be paying you and you have business that is always going to be coming in because you're winning those contracts, then there goes that fear of failure. And you have the foundation that you're going to be able to run your business. So you can grow easier for me in my head, right? I'm like, okay, it's easier to grow because with my fear of failure, I'm like, no matter what, I'm, I'm going to have this foundation, right? So earlier this year, I've been chasing this contract. It's my third year. My third time chasing this contract is with a, with a cooperative called Mojave for background screening. And we already do some of the school districts here in, in Maricopa County. And it covers like 350 agencies, right? And I, and I have tried twice before and I have been like shut down, like immediately. Maybe I was too young of a business or whatever. So this year, again, on my way back from Alaska, when it comes back, there's a lot that happened on that trip. But uh, <laughs> it was a long 3,500 miles. So there's a lot that happened. I'm like, <laughs> it is a long drive. I was like, I, when it came out, I was like, I'm, I'm, Lisa's going to help me. Lisa's going to help me. And I have to tell you, she's she's not cheap, people. She, but she's worth <laughs> it, right? Yeah. We freaking won the contract. Yeah! Oh I was so thrilled that I just had this feeling, you know, that I was just like, what the heck? I have to give it my all because these are the types of things that, you know, for the next five years, it can totally transform my business, especially as the economy is changing you know that school districts are always going to be doing a background check on school, on teachers. You know, you know that any vulnerable population is going to be wanting to do a background check. So that was a huge win for us. Lisa, I mean, thank goodness for our connection after all those, you know, years where it comes and we've stayed in contact. So it's been super cool, super cool journey. So I'm really excited about that. Doesn't start till the end of January. So I'm preparing my marketing and all my <laughs> analytics which i hate but you know, whatever what's <laughs> <With> the <pain. laughs> yeah so um my journey so you know i had um i've been married a few times i'm not going to say how many but in one of those marriages i had uh, I was married to someone that was an entrepreneur and um i really learned a lot from him and he had a um when the internet was just coming out we had a small internet service provider. Okay. So this was like dating myself. This is like <laughs> 1995. Okay. And I just learned so much about entrepreneurship. And then um, I loved it. And then um, I have internal validation issues. Okay. So <laughs> I don't need external validation. I have internal validation. So I have to be proving my things to myself all the time that I'm good enough for myself. Maybe it's because of the story I tell myself that I didn't go to college. I mean, I listen. You first thing that you said was doctor so and so. I'm like, okay, that makes you feel like this big, you know? Because I just didn't, and that's ridiculous, right? That's mindset. That's not a reality. Right. So, you know, you're going through this journey, and then you have your. After that, we got. I got divorced from that relationship and that internet service provider in the in the 90s, and then I went to SafeStone, which is corporate banking. I did really, really well in corporate banking. It was a lot of fun, but then so much of that changed because banking centers freaking changed, and it was no more. It was no longer about relationships, and I just craved. I craved. I was like, I'm a single mom. I needed the. I needed the security. I needed the income. I needed the revenue. I needed the health insurance. But secretly, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So the minute um, that I got married again and I was financially secure. I hopped on board and then I dragged my uh, current husband, Jason, with me. And, and, it's, and trust me, I am not the easiest person in the world. And thank God for him because we're totally opposite. <laughs> so he has been my biggest support and it's been seven years. And it, it is so hard because we're together like 24-7. So, so that has been, you know, our journey. when we started, I mean, it was like, it was, it, it, my whole thing is I wanted to have control. I am a control freak. I am not going to lie. I want to be able to have the self-validation of success. And I think it probably comes from my childhood, for whatever reason, and that has been that has been the driving motivating factor of I want to feel safe. I grew up so poor. My mom cleaned houses, my dad mowed lawns. You know, they didn't even speak English. I grew up going in Orlando to Bay Hill and, you know, and seeing these beautiful homes. And then I'd be like, I want to have a home like this one day. And then I had no help growing up because my parents didn't even know how to look at my report card. So of course Uh I was like, I am going to figure this out. So it's just been this driving fire that I constantly have. And it doesn't go away with success. Like if you were to look at me now,
1: (laughs) people would be like,
3: you're okay. I'm okay. Right. But, but I'm not, I'm like, I have this whole thing. No, I'm not going to be okay. I'm going to lose everything. This is so ridiculous. Right. (laughs) But it just doesn't ever go away. The fire doesn't ever go away, but that's what keeps me going. And I absolutely love the journey. It has been the most magical. It's taken me outside of every comfort zone that I have, and it still does today. And that's what I live for every day. It's just that journey of being, being able to to create I'm a true visionary. My husband's more the integrator. Uh, we follow the traction in the EOS system in our business. Yep, We have all the meetings and all the stuff. So we're like the perfect match. The universe brought him to me for a reason. and And my best friend now coming into my life and help us get to where, you know, it's a journey, all of us together. So it's freaking cool. It is very cool. It is hard, but the rewards are there. Really cool.
1: What a cool story, right? Coming from, coming from nothing and that driving you to have that power. And now that's what I'm trying to teach the kids. Like, it doesn't matter after high school. I'm fine. You want to go to college, go to college. You don't want to go to college. Don't go to college do what you love, do something, do something to make. do ma- something. Yes. Do so- oh, that's, that's like a no option. <laughs> you're like, I don't care what you do. Do something. Do yeah. Something. <laughs> um, but it's okay. You don't have to go to like, my son's like, I hate school. That's okay. Then he's learning a trade with his husband, you know, with my husband. He's, he's want, maybe wants to be a fireman, right? You can, you can still make money and you can still what you do, what you love, right? And what you're passionate about as long as you know, you can do it. Well, as long as you have the mindset
2: and the people around you to push you to, to, to that. And I think it's becoming much more acceptable these days than when we, because I'll age myself with you, Sarah, <laughs> you know, back, back in the earlier days, it it meant a lot more to have a degree. And I think now that perspective is shifting. And Sarah, you said something that I thought was just brilliant and I want us all to remember it and everybody listening to remember that this is mindset. It's not reality. And those are two so different things. Like, it is crazy to me how much our mind can really control stupid stuff. Like, the stories we tell ourselves and the things that our mind, the tricks that our minds play on us that have nothing to do with reality, like... The biggest yeah. shift
3: that I have made in the last four years is yeah. everything from you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you're not pretty enough, you're not this enough, you're not. And when I realized that I, that inner voice was constantly telling me all of these negative, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to focus on abundance. I can do everything. It, you know, and everything positive. You're beautiful. You're great. You're smart. The money's just going to flow in. You're not going to struggle. You know, and because. It was even like two years ago. Not that I go to the gym every day, people. But, you know, I'm going to the gym and I'm thinking, why am I going to the gym? I'm not going to lose any weight. That's ridiculous. We need to stop doing that. that. And I don't even think that we realize that we're doing that. And the mindset change has been life-changing it is for me it is I'm sure my
1: my kids get so sick of me telling them you're smart you're beautiful before they go to bed every night you know you're all like trying to get them and and the mindset it's like you can do anything I promise you and my son I love it I'm like he's he's 17 comes to me the other day he's like um mom let's watch this show this thing together on youtube it's called to dear my future generations i'm sorry <gasps> have you, oh, wow. have you seen it? uh and yeah. it's a guy he's a poet he's a rapper but anyways he he talks about mindset and he talks about how toxic it is and your ki- and guess guess when the most people ha- die of a heart attack on monday mornings anxiety. guess why anxiety, anxiety to go yeah. to work that you should do something you love i was like Give me this movie. That means he's listening. Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) You know, like, ooh, good, bud. I'm going to share this to everybody. You know, it's just you have to continually talk to yourselves, right? By me teaching my kids, I've been talking, telling myself the same things, right? Yeah. It's just a consistent Nobody effort.
3: taught me that. I, I ended no. up, I was an EO for a little bit, Entrepreneurs Organization, and one of the books that they had me read, and I only, re- I only listened to business books, right? So they wanted me to read The Untethered Soul. It was like this book club thing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you want me to read something about our soul? You've got to be kidding me. I'm not going to read anything about our soul. First three chapters, I was like, oh my goodness. It totally changed my life. It totally changed how I looked at everything, my relationships, my business, what I was telling myself and just having that. Pa- I'm so pa- I'm super passionate about this topic, by the way. So I'll be quiet here in a minute. But <laughs> you freaking you can change. You can change your outlook on everything, even a limited money mindset of, mm-hmm. you know, how am I going to get there? I mean, when I started thinking of of abundance and then just thinking that it, you can right, it totally changes everything. And you visualize what you're able to do. Not instead of saying, oh, I'm going to respond to that RFP. But I'm not going to get it. No, no, no. Right, that's What the wrong freaking way. God's RFP? And I was like, "I, we are getting this RFP this year. And I am putting it out to the universe. And I'm like, this baby is mine. Okay. I was even writing to Mojave saying, hey, Look for my RFP. It's coming. This is my third time. I'm just going to remind you it's my third time responding, but I really, really think I'm going to get it this time, you know?
2: It is true. But it's also like there's this domino effect of that abundance mindset. Yes. Like the minute that we start really embracing it. And before I started my business, I didn't. I don't think I knew anything about mindset and thinking through that. They don't teach that in corporate America. They don't teach that in college, Sarah, so you didn't miss anything with No, uh, not at all. You know? <laughs> So it's just, I find that the more gratitude and the more positivity, and it doesn't mean that I bury my head in the sand. It's just that I look for the silver lining. I look for if something was not good, how can it be better? And how can we move forward and stay in that? And then just the more positivity comes my way. Dogs, dogs, dogs are good. Dogs are good. (laughs)
1: I brought you all together. I knew it was going to be perfect. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right, your turn. Tell us your journey. You know, it's Jessica. been interesting
0: listening to you all talk because there's elements, I think, of, ac- across all of us. So this was definitely a good mix of everyone Um, because, you know, if you told me, you know, 20, 30 years ago that I'd be a business owner, I'd be laughing and laughing and laughing. But I think that's where, you know, our journey always has to, it's our own, right? And I think particularly for, but our generation, it was this pressure to like, you have to pick a choice and you have to make these decisions and you have to know exactly what you want to do. And you have to commit to something for 30 year pension. Yes. And wow. it was just, you know, like, I don't know <laughs> what that looks like. I don't know. why who does that anymore. And who does that? Like, well, I mean, obviously there's a large majority of the generations that have done that. So it's it's, and it's been lucrative for the for the world in which they grew up in. But that's not the world that we are no. in now. Mm-hmm. And 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 we're in this kind of in-between phase of that. There's still some 30-year pensions out there that are perhaps pretty lucrative and beneficial, but there's all this other flexibility. Gig economy. Things. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I don't know. For me, um, right... I went to college at 16 because it was a way for me not to get pregnant or end up in jail.
1: Wow. It
0: was, you know, education for me was the way to change what was the inevitable path because there wasn't a whole lot kind of forward thinking or, you know, guidance or other types of things. And that's not anything against uh, anyone who knows me that might be listening to this. But I think it was the reality of if things didn't change, the outcome was going to be very clear. Um, and, and so mm. I think between maybe just a little bit of fail-safes with some family members, um, I'm a product of the foster care system. My foster family, who I just saw um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, kind of keep me grounded of, of knowing like, hey, this, this could have turned very, very differently for you. And for me, education was one way out, but it was also the ability to say, I wouldn't have been able to explore all of these other topics, right? I wouldn't have been able to kind of do something because no one was telling me anything to do other than some things that were probably not going to work out really well um, at a young age. And so, um, and if I would have even survived some of those things and um, those and and that at that time and in, in those neighborhoods, so I think that's where it's the uh, do something. College may not be it. As an overeducated person myself, um, and, you know, and the list goes on, I think that's where even my goddaughter today, I'm like, you don't have to go to college, but you have to do something, and you have to figure something out, and and it's okay to not like it after you do it, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. my journey has been full of, I guess what you would say is failure, is if I had that, that mindset, but it was really just the whole things of like, mm not doing that one again. Like... <laughs> like, I made it. (laughs) It It's a little thin there. Um, And so I think like those are the things that it's, you know, and there's some very clear lines of like, you know, maybe I did take a certification class or I went through some boot camp and I'm just like, never will I ever, ever want to do those things again. Um, And so that's, that's been the journey of figuring out, it wasn't the mindset of I'm going to own businesses and I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to, you know, have this value add or this, this other thing. It was the, I'm going to figure some of these things out. I'm going to use various pathways to do that. Uh, for anyone who knows me would be like, oh, she did what? She was an officer. <laughs> like that she should have been on the other side of that. Door. <laughs> you know, there was some, there was some sketchy moments. Um, and my, and my foster dad still tells the story somewhat embarrassingly 30 years later that, you know, of like, Trying to find me in the middle of the night where I shouldn't have been in the middle of the night, kind of things. And so you do kind of think through like, what is it about the mindset that says I'm going to survive, I'm going to make it, I'm going to figure these things out? Um, as much as you um, you know might have have and may still have a little bit of fear of failure, you also have a lot of risk and willingness and comfort with risk and that vulnerability yeah, of she risk. Does. That it's like, it <laughs> yeah, and I think that honesty with yourself in the process is is what kind of keeps us all going. So I've had a lot of folks ask me over the years, you know, especially since I'm one of the folks in my family or kind of immediate circle with college education and teaching and stuff. And they're like, what should I do? And, and I'm the first thing out of my mouth is like, well, why should you be in college? Why are you there? If you're there because someone else is telling you to be there, then maybe that's not the reason you should be there, Mm -hmm. right? But here's the reasons why I think you should think about college or I should you should think about different education. But there's so many avenues to kind of get that aspect. And so I think, yeah, follow your yellow brick road for sure, but keep in mind that your road and my road might be yellow, but we do not have the same turns and we do not have the same widths or paths or ups and downs, and that's okay. And I think just being able to be okay with yourself at each and every step is the process.
3: And actually, for, you know, as I sit here next to you and you announce yourself as doctor,
1: <laughs> right? <So. laughs>
3: yeah, I trust and me, then, I've earned these then, titles. Right. It's worth it. Uh,
0: no, no, yeah, I, yeah.
3: But, but here's the thing, though, is the story we tell ourselves about that, right? Yeah. But we don't know, I don't know your story. I mm-hmm. only shared a little bit of your story. And what does that do? Is that breaks down barriers, right? It's like, okay, look at your story, look what you've done, right? Because so many times, what do we naturally do? Oh, she probably comes from rich parents, you know. They yeah. probably funded and, and and it's just natural. I'm not gonna lie. I was like sitting here going, oh Lord, yeah, you know, I you know, I didn't have that opportunity. <laughs> Nobody freaking talked to me about college. I, I yeah. didn't even know. I,
0: I figured it out too. I went to college um trying I went to college not knowing how to fill out the FAFSA.
2: Not that's knowing awesome.
0: how to navigate, not, you know, sitting in front of counselors they are like, what do you want to get a degree? And I'm like, a degree? What's that? Is that oh, why I'm wow. here? Um, but and I think that's where, you know, I'm very and I've had some full circle moments over the years is that I'm very thankful of the people who maybe saw something that I didn't know or didn't see. Probably too young and dumb to really see those things because I think you only start to realize those things way after forty. That um, you're like, oh,
1: I agree with <laughs> that. Talking
0: about all that time and like, boy, was I ignorant to paying attention to it. It's beautiful, and, though. Um, it's such a yeah. beautiful
3: journey. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I think that's where it's just like there's a there's some patience that has to happen. Although it sounds like all of us are not patient people in no. general. Entrepreneurs uh, probably not. <laughs> no. uh, but that's I where we kind trade. of like remind ourselves of the patience of, of things. But then, uh, yeah, I think it's just knowing like, I you know, whether it's the passion that drives you or the I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to self validate for myself or definitely there are some points and there's probably still some f- folks and you just, you just did that so you can prove them wrong. And I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. I don't really talk to them to know whether they think anything about me these days. But I do know this, is that I wouldn't change anything about my journey. Mm-hmm. I think my clients and uh, my team recognizes that journey as an authenticity that I Absolutely. can't replace. Yes.
2: And I will own it all I day love, long. I love you more Amen. because
3: of that. I love you more. <laughs>
2: Well, and you know what I find is interesting? So I grew up with an an educator as a father. So education was very prevalent in my family. And I rebelled against it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm listening to you guys and talk about your stories. And we all came from very different backgrounds. I was, education was very much expected and pushed on me. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, But we all, we all have had some of the exact same struggles, right? Like we all still struggle sometimes with mindset and believing that we're good enough and believing that we can continue to succeed or what, you know, what's next and being being afraid of things and all of that. So, you know, I love that you were like, I admit that sometimes I judge and we all do. That's human nature, right? And it's just a reminder for me to say, huh, let's just, Lisa, stop stop that snap judgment because, no matter where somebody came from, it's still the journey. To your point, Sarah, right? The journey is the the magic of everything that we experience. And
3: uh, not making up stories in our head about what we think is happening in every single aspect of our life. And yet as much as I've pounded that into myself, I still catch myself doing it. But every yeah. day. Ca- every yeah, single day. Every single day. Yeah, I catch day. myself. But, mm-hmm. yeah. it, but, yeah. but we do it everywhere, yeah. every, with everybody and everything. And we, we, we're better human beings when we stop. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed.
2: Agreed. Definitely. Something else you said too, Jessica, you said something about um, trying something and it being okay that it didn't work out. And that has been a hard thing for me that when... You're like growing up, and I think it was because of that, you go to college, you get a degree, and then you go work in that field forever. Yeah, that, don't that's shift. not
0: actually how it works out.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, it does for some people. It did for my parents, yeah. it did for my sister, yeah. and so I'm watching this as my role models thinking, I can't start and stop and start and stop, which I did a million times, and always felt like a failure because of it, and always felt, frankly, like there was something wrong with me. I thought there was ulti- like, Ultimately, there was something wrong with me. I was wired wrong. And then one day, I just there, I won't go into that whole sort of story that I was like, oh, this is there's actually not something wrong with me, and this is just my path, yeah. but it's it's like we need to not beat ourselves up or other people up because they tried something and it didn't work. I think that's the like i I can't echo this enough because there's like two uh, conversations
0: happening in my brain with some folks that are pretty close to me that have they came to me at different points, you know, one was, community college going into you know university after the community college and feeling like they were behind their peers, right? Like the folks that they graduated and they took a little bit longer in community college because they they explored some things, right? And and you know, they call in a panic and I'm like, are you panicking because Sarah graduated before you? Like who's Sarah? Does Sarah matter? Like <laughs> and I'm like, or are, are you happy with where you are? And they were like, oh yeah. Wait a minute. I am happy where I am, and I'm glad wow. I figured out some of those things. And then, you know, I had another friend of mine who's off to this awesome job that um, I think they were really looking forward to. And then they're like, "Oh, I don't know if this is it." And I'm like, "Hey, you know, here's the thing: is that the goal is to try. So whether that's a 16 week class at the or eight week class at the college." or it's a two-year gig at whatever, you know, you know, whatever job and whatever title, like figure it out, you know, skip around to the hotels, to the restaurants, yeah. figure out, I don't know what if I want to do this, but you, you're only going to figure those things out if you try. And then when you realize that they're not working out for one reason or another, don't see it as a failure, just put that in the note bucket and say, nope, not again, and
2: yeah, then and move but on. The, <laughs> but the lessons we learn from that, right? If yeah. we just went straight for what we thought we should do, and never try anything, oh, my God, how boring would that be? Yeah.
1: The only thing permanent is a child or a tattoo. You can change anything I else. I love that. <laughs> and actually,
2: you can kind of change a tattoo, tattoo. these days, so,
1: you know. <laughs> That's my old adage, right? Before the laser removal. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we are up. Can you believe we've been talking for almost an wow. hour? That was way right, too quick. I know. We could talk too for quick. the rest of the day. I, I can imagine. We'll be having to have coffee after this. Yes. <laughs> All right. Tell everybody how we can find you guys online. I loved hearing your stories and your journey. And thank you for sharing
2: it with us. Lisa, I'll start with you. Absolutely. Uh, website is rfpsuccess.com and LinkedIn profile, Lisa Rehorek.
3: Sarah Hope, and it's verticalidentity.com and 911achmed.com. Those are our two websites. And it's Sarah Hope and uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, uh uh, company is
0: Idea Analytics. This is Jessica, Idea Analytics, but our website is analyticsbyidea.com and you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, we also have a virtual network that you can find us on on our webpage and sign up for. Um, and Dr. Jessica Herbert on LinkedIn.
1: Thank you so much. And I'm Kelly Lorenzen, your host, KLM, DuplicateMyself.com. You've been listening to Collaborative Connections radio show and podcast sponsored by KLM. Until next time, happy connecting.